You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. Happy post-Christmas. It's good to see you. Uh, you know, when they're, that song, O Come All Ye Faithful, I think they were talking about the people that show up to church after Christmas, the day after Christmas. <laughs> it's, really glad, it's really good that you're here. Um, days like today, I think I'm reminded of why we gather and it's good to be reminded of why we gather. We gather because God is worthy of our praise. And uh, we gather, not, we don't show up. Um, actually, it's more than I thought today. I thought it'd just be me and James. And <laughs> we gather not because of, of others and who we might see, but because God calls us into worship. And, and it's a, a blessing to be with you and to sing together. Uh, in this post-Christmas uh, sermon, it's, I wanted to think about you know, how do we do this? It's the last Sunday of the year. Uh, it's the last uh, opportunity we have to kind of look back on the year and, and kind of get ready for uh, the new year. And I, start, I want to start off by asking this. You know, they have this question, maybe you've heard, uh, it's called the, the magic wand question. And the question is, if, there, if you had a magic wand and you could change uh, everything in your life or anything in your life that caused uh, distress and pain and suffering and doubt or confusion, and you woke up tomorrow and, and everything was okay, uh, what would change in your life? What circumstances would be different? What would have to happen for you to, be, to wake up tomorrow and to be just completely at peace? You know, maybe there's some things that come to mind. Maybe there's some things that would need to change. Uh, maybe there are uh, some relationships that would need to be restored. Uh, maybe there are some answers um, or some questions that need to be answered. And in this perfect like post-Christmas passage, we see a situation where a man, uh, Simeon, is, finds that answer, where he is completely at peace. And it's a perfect post-Christmas uh, passage because it happens right after Christmas, right after the birth of Christ. Eight days after Jesus is born, Jesus is presented uh, in Jerusalem in the temple. And I want to read that passage for us today, kind of walk through it briefly and look at some things to take from it. We're going to look at at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Would you go there with me? Luke 2, starting in verse 21. And at the end of eight days, uh, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. Uh, Yeah, Luke here, Luke is a historian. Luke is a theologian. Luke is a a man of science and a man of faith. He's a doctor. He's a physician um, by vocation and a chosen disciple of Jesus. And the four gospel writers kind of offer a narrative on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, kind of according to their own um, circumstances and purposes for writing. And Luke is the only one that mentions this story. He's the only one that talks about as Simeon. And I believe that he's wanting to show his readers, including us, this unique aspect of the gospel and what it accomplishes in our life, the good news of Christ's coming, of his birth, and what he has come to do. It's historical. He's a historian, right? It's accurate. Um, it, all, it really happened, but it's beyond that. It's beautiful. It's satisfying. It's attractive. It's relevant to us. And the coming of Christ makes Simeon ready for anything, so much so that he sees Jesus, eight-year-old, right? An eight-year-old boy, eight days. Thank you. I'm not often corrected on Sunday, but that's good. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Feel free. Um, eight days. And he says, I'm, no matter what happens tomorrow, I'm content. Even if my life is taken from me, I'm ready to die. What would it take for you to feel such contentment? And what is it that Luke is wanting us to see? What is it that Simeon sees about the gospel, about Jesus, that would make us feel the same way? I don't know if Simeon died the next day, but whatever came his way, he was prepared. There's something so beautiful here. I just have three reflections that I want to look at in this passage. There's so much to learn here. Uh, We're not going to get to everything, but it's a worthwhile passage for further study. But here's a few things kind of for the day after Christmas as we finish up the year and look forward to the new year. First thing we see is that Christ is personally satisfying. What would it take? I don't have a magic wand for you. I don't have that, that, that pill, that potion, that, that thing that can take away all your problems. But we do see here that there's something we should reflect on. There's something so satisfying about knowing Jesus, about seeing Christ, about seeing the fulfillment of God's promises to his people. Simeon takes Jesus up into his arms and offers this wonderful prayer. He captures the beauty of peace that comes from knowing that Jesus has come. When when Simeon looks at the face of Christ, what does he see? How does he feel? We're given insight into a lot of of Simeon's emotions and his state of mind and his, his beliefs. He begins to praise God with an expression of personal satisfaction that is tied to contentment, peace, rest. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant die in peace. He is ready to go. He is ready to face anything. No matter what happens in his life, he is at rest. What an amazing feeling. I 
I covet that feeling. I desire to feel that way every day. I imagine you do as well, just to feel no matter what comes my way, I am okay. I am ready. I am at rest. We, we, do, we know very little about Simeon, but what we do know is that he was a man of God, devout and righteous. And we also know that by some means, prophecy came to Simeon that said, you will not die until you see the promised Christ that would be born into the world. And he waited a long time. He waited a long time. And I think this, this concept is often missed, and I don't want to miss it for us. We, we don't have to wait for a lot of things. We don't have to wait. There's great, wonderful blessings of advancements uh, today that cause us or allow us to speed up things, whether it's a, whether it's a microwave or you know, two-day shipping. Now, one-day shipping with Amazon, sometimes two-hour shipping, depending on where you live. Some of you are not ahead. You're, you're close to Amazon warehouses, right? One hour, two hours, you get your, your order. When my package is two, two days, I'm like, how dare this take so long to travel 5,000 miles around the globe? How dare you? <laughs> I, I know that longing uh, for something and enduring long hours is not popular today. Um, if anything, the, this ideal of the 21st century person can make things, we can make things happen on our own, right? We are, if we are smart, if we are intelligent, if we are capable, if we um, are well off, we shouldn't have to wait. And so things that happen quickly is kind of a sign, if you are able to make things happen quickly, it's kind of a sign of prosperity. It's a sign of righteousness. It's a sign of, of uh, being capable. But we needed to see something about Simeon. He waited a long time and he's the one that's called devout and righteous. When Luke describes uh, righteousness in, in his gospel, and when the Bible often talks about a righteous, devout, and holy person, what is often described, a characteristic of people who are described as holy is often paired with this, which is really neat, people that wait and long to see the coming of Christ. This is interesting that, there's, that holiness is paired with the ability to wait and sometimes very long time. What do we got there? Waiting today is an inconvenience, but in the Bible, it's considered a sign of holiness and trust in God. It's good for you to wait. It's not fun. It's not convenient. It's good. It's good for us to instill within our children a little boredom. But it seems like everything is designed uh, today to, to prohibit us from ever being bored, from ever just waiting, from ever just like having nothing to do. But there is something holy about being in a space where nothing is happening and we have desiring something to acquire and it is yet to come. And then looking at God and saying, I'm okay in this silence. I will wait in this silence. I will trust in you in this silence. That is a mark of holiness. It's a mark of righteousness in our life. People longed for Jesus. They longed for his coming. They longed for his, their answered prayers. Uh, when Simeon meets Jesus, his immediate response is to believe in him. Isn't that amazing? Eight days, days, eight days. 
eight days old and he's, and he's just like, he puts his faith, he believes in him. What an amazing thing with this child in his arms, securing God's presence. Simeon experienced a profound peace of soul and not a single thing changed in his life. Not a single thing changed. His day would be the same tomorrow than it was the day before. His problems would likely be the exact same. Nothing changed in his life, but he was filled with a profound peace of soul. And his reason is clear, for he says, for my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. This is what makes me okay. This is what is good. This is what I've been waiting for is to know the salvation of God, the rescue of God, that what he has promised will come true. And we are right to long for Jesus because he's not just another thing to grasp on the journey of life. He is the fulfillment. He is the satisfaction. He is everything that we have longed for, is fellowship with God through faith in Jesus. Everything that our hearts desire and everything that is Everything that is lacking in that feeling of when I asked you if you had a magic wand to kind of fix everything, everything that is broken, Jesus is the answer. He's the only hope that fulfills. He's the only hope that satisfies. He is the only hope that can truly make us feel okay in the midst of struggle. He doesn't say, for my eyes have seen part of God's salvation. He doesn't say, my eyes have seen another great help in my life. My eyes have seen another great blessing. No, he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. This is it. This is all that I need. Peace at its, as its basic fundamental emotion is personal satisfaction in Jesus. It's a looking at Christ, embracing him by faith as Simeon embraces him in his arms. Imagine that, to embrace Christ's child in your arms and to feel satisfied. I think the scene that Luke wants us to highlight, uh, wants to highlight more than anything than just historical fulfillment, than th- that this happened, is I think that Luke is wanting this encounter with Jesus to feel incredibly personal. Doesn't it feel really, imperson- really personal? Luke, is a, he's a doctor, he's a historian, he's a scientist, he's, he's very particular and skilled, and you might expect his narrative to be superficial, and practical, kind of just the facts. And there are a lot of the facts. But here, it, it, it goes a deeper level. Incredibly intimate, incredibly personal. And this is what relationship and fellowship with God is like, that it can be not just an intellectual, it must be not just an intellectual assent and belief in the truths of the gospel, but embracing Christ at a personal, relational level and being deeply moved emotionally by it, not just intellectually. When was the last time you were moved to deep emotion because of God's love for you? When was the last time you cried because you thought about how much God loves you? When was the last time you were moved, you know, in your deepness of your soul and impacted at a heart level? That's how personal God is. That's how real, that's how relevant, that's how intimate his 
relationship is. And Simeon sees it. He wants us to know it as well. You know, we should ask ourselves, you know, were my longings of this year satisfied in Christ? This is a time of the year where we often shut the door on memories of the year and kind of look forward to a do-over in the future, right? There's an emotional turnover that happens this time of year. And I'm not critiquing that or saying that that's bad. There's something that's a blessing about that, right? Some, we kind of clean up some of our maybe bad habits. We clean up our uh, memories that we don't want to think about anymore and say, God, your mercies are new each day. Let's start over. But I don't want to move too quick into the new year and thinking about New Year's resolutions. It's good for us to think about the longings that we've had because James is going to do that next week. He's going to talk about New Year's stuff. But I want to talk about old year stuff. What about your longings of 2021? Your pains, your heartaches, your disappointments, your confusions, your habits. And you look back on maybe guilt, shame, disappointments, and all that. Did you miss out on some being satisfied by Jesus? It's good for us to evaluate that and ask ourselves, like, did, did I put my, my rest and my peace in other things so much that I missed out on embracing Christ, looking at him in his, in his face, and feeling okay because his salvation has come to me. He loves me. He's moved in my life deeply. He's changed me. You know, this story helps, it gives us an opportunity to look at how our conversion, right? That if, you, if you're a Christian, there's a time when you put your faith in Jesus and you felt that peace, right? There's that time at our conversion where something has happened and we believe no matter what happens in my life, I'm okay because I am loved and I've seen the salvation of God. And then what happens? Life, <laughs> something, anything happens. And you're like, where'd that contentment go? Where'd that peace go? And then we kind of, we're wrestling to find that. And it comes in waves and opportunities. And sometimes there'll be seasons in our life where we feel these like real spiritual highs, so they say, and we feel like super content, but it's, it comes and goes. Um, it gives us opportunity to look about, look about our day and our struggles and our future and everything we long for, our, our longings and our peace. And and ask ourselves, were they, were they met in Jesus? Were they fulfilled in Christ? Did I go to him and take him in my arms as he has taken me in his arms? And he forgives us of our sins as we repent of our sins of the year and say, no, I, I didn't. I, I failed. I, I, let, I let my struggles get the best of me. I doubted God. I took my eyes off of his faithfulness. I, I was filled with shame. I, 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 I let habits, uh, sinful habits kind of overtake my, my life and and here we're, we're meant to reflect and to see that he satisfies. You know, if there's a longing in your heart today for something that the, that the world or a person or persons have not been able to satisfy, could it be that, that Christ is stirring in your heart because he wants you to look at him and find that deepness of rest in your soul that only he can provide? I think that's what he wants us to see in part in this passage, that we can behold and embrace Christ and truly feel at rest, no matter what happens in our life. Simeon, he exposes another really wonderful thing that we can reflect on, that not only does Christ satisfy, but this is rooted not in what we do, but it's rooted in God's faithfulness. God is faithful. This is another big takeaway from this, this prayer, this, this uh, praise of Simeon. You know, what impresses me about Simeon is how there's this powerful combination of personal righteousness 
that manifests itself in a long waiting steadfastness of Simeon, right? He's devout. He is focused. And, and so I see that part of his life and personality. And then I also see this spirit empowerment and a faith in the word of God. So is, there's this long suffering. And then there's a, a faith that Simeon has is because God says it, I will believe it. What an amazing thing. He said, the word of God came to him through a prophecy. It was inerrant. It was inspired by God. And what was the promise? You're not going to die. You're going to see this promised Christ before you die. He believed it so much. He spent every single day thinking about it. Do you think about God's promises in that way? I wonder, could there have been evidence in Simeon's life, this is speculation, evidence to suggest the other, otherwise, that maybe, maybe he was wrong, you know, every time he came down with a sickness. You know, I wonder, did he, did he feel like, I'm not going to die because I haven't seen Jesus yet. Man, what confidence to have, right? Nothing. I can stand in front of this train. <laughs> the train's in Nazareth, of course, in Jerusalem, right? I mean, what confidence? No, he was human. He struggled. He doubted. He wrestled. But how firm the word of God was in his life. It was an anchor within his soul. It was an anchor within his life. It was an anchor in his emotions. It was an anchor in his thought life. It was an anchor for him. Keep coming back to the word of God. He remembered what God had said to him. It's good for us to remember that contentment for tomorrow is not contingent on our faithfulness to live up to what God has commanded. If this were the case, it wouldn't be very good news. The promise of God wouldn't be very good news. In fact, it would be just news. Really, it would actually be bad news. If, if, if our life was contingent on how well we were devout and righteous before God, then his promises would be, they'd be devastating. They'd be painful. We'd be anxious every day. But his contentment and peace, and therefore ours, as God's word reminds us, is not linked not to the assurance of our character, but the assurance of God's word, and he is faithful. He will do what he says. Um, salvation doesn't come from within. It's, it's not manifested through self-progress. It's embraced through faith, belief in God. What would it look like for you to be a person ready for tomorrow? What would it, be, what would it look like for you to be a person like Simeon, with your trust and faith anchored in the word of God and his promise and faithfulness to you, so much so that you'd be ready for tomorrow, no matter what came. Lord willing and unlikely, you know, it would be death, but it could be for any of us. We're told to number our days. We're told to have a, have a perspective on eternity, not knowing the days that we have left on this earth. But what if it's something else? What if it's not death? What if it's just pain? What if it's disappointment? What if it's discouragement? What if it's um, struggle? What if it's sickness? What if it's financial chaos? What if it's even something not, not like horrible, but just like, what if it's just a migraine? You know, what if it's just uh, weariness and fatigue? God is enough for that. Are you ready for that? Or, or, do you wake up in the morning and say, like, I don't know what today will bring, but you are enough for me and I can take on the day. 
Not because of my character, not because I'm strong enough and not because of any of that. But God, you are here and you have promised to be faithful and you care about me and I've seen your salvation and it doesn't mean that my struggle will be taken away, but I'm okay, even if it's really hard. God's word never calls us and asks us to choose between suffering or faith as if they are two mutually exclusive things. They exist together. Contentment and peace and joy exist in the midst of struggle. I don't know how long Simeon was waiting for Christ, but I'm, I'm going to imagine it was a really long time. And what was he doing during that time of, of waiting? I, I imagine he was rehearsing. He was devouring, soaking in God's word, being reminded of it often because he so often forgot it. And it was so easy for the day to kind of overtake his, his thoughts and feelings. So much so that as soon as Jesus was presented in the temple, he recognized him right away. Because he was thinking about it all day long, every day, 24-7, every waking moment, resting in God's word, trusting in his faithfulness. God will do this, and so I've got to keep my eyes open for him. What would it look like for you to keep your eyes open tomorrow for God to work in your life? Do you expect him to work? Can you recognize the work of God in your life when you see it? Most of us can't. Most of us, God will do something and we, we don't even know. But we're focused on the things that he has yet to do. We focus on the, the, the things that haven't come true or the things that we want that we haven't received. But just be happy with the presence you did get. How many times did I say that yesterday? <laughs> but I didn't get, to, just be happy with what you did get. <laughs> we focus on what we don't have. We focus on what we didn't get. We focus on how God hasn't answered. Saying, look at, look at how I've provided. I, I want you tomorrow, I want to invite you into tomor- tomorrow to be expectant. Why? Because God is faithful. And it's likely that he will do something that you won't even notice because you weren't looking for it. And then that's not to guilt you. It's actually to invite you into not miss out on on the blessing of seeing God move beautifully in your life. He's doing it all the time. He's doing it now. Can you feel it? Do you see it? It only comes through a thoughtful interaction and humble study of God's word. Not an arbitrary, God, give me a sign. God, show me you're real. It's, It's feeding on God's word learning of his character, his nature, how he operates, being sensitive to the spirit, the Holy Spirit in our life, being sensitive to his movement through others. God, I I, I feel discouraged and he works through his people to offer us encouragement in God's good news. All these ways that God shows us he is working and that's what Simeon is able to do. The final, final detail of this passage for us, I think, for at least for today, is I want to focus on is how personal Simeon made Jesus, but how much Jesus draws Simeon's fo- focus, not just personal to himself, but beyond himself, right? Because God's plans are bigger than you. 
This was really, really special for Simeon, but it wasn't all about Simeon, and he knew that. How does he hold these two things in harmony? Simeon is able to see, I am now okay. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to face tomorrow, no matter what comes my way. But I know it's not just for me, but it's for all peoples. It's not just for me. It's for all peoples. The beauty of of, of the satisfaction of Christ is not limited to his experience alone, but central to the beauty that Simeon sees is the breadth of what it means that you have been, he says, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. What, have, what has God prepared in the presence of all peoples? This is a blessing for all peoples. It is a truth for all peoples. God is being gracious to Israel, but not just for the point of loving Israel. He is gracious to Israel so that all people would be blessed. His grace is going to overflow the people of Israel, this little nation, and it's going to spread all throughout the world. And we should be thankful for that because the reason that you have come to know the satisfaction of the gospel is because the gospel has overflowed the boundaries of God's called people of Israel. What is God doing in your life and how is it not just all about you? How is it to overflow your heart? It is, it is not, you, are not, you are not the center of the universe. I'm sorry if that's the first time you've heard it. I don't mean to startle you. It, this is the weird thing about what Simeon tells us. On one hand, it's all about you. God cares about you. And on another hand, it's not about you. Both can be kind of true, right? God loves you personally, and it ought to be personally satisfying to know the salvation of the Lord but that's not what it's all about. God's purposes go well beyond you. It is much bigger than you. God's plans are so much bigger than you. You notice how much of our day is focused on ourselves and how, wise we real, how, how much we realize how little energy is given to thinking about... Do you realize how, how little people actually think about you? <laughs> You know, I always go, you know, go to a party, whether it's a Christmas party or church, and I'm, I'm just looking for what to wear. See, it's, guys struggle with this too. And, um, <clears throat> and my wife will look at me and say, it doesn't matter what you wear. No one's looking at you. <laughs> because they're just looking at themselves. Everyone's thinking about themselves. They don't have time to think about you. It's not about you. Simeon knows that, but he's, he's content in what God is doing. There's contentment, peace that comes in knowing that it's not all about us, and that's good. Our story takes now this weird, unexpected turn. It's a bizarre turn. Simeon's happy. This is so weird. He is just so joyful. Maybe there's tears in his eyes. He's holding Jesus in his arms, and he says, I'm content. And then he looks at Mary and he says, oh, Mary, this is going to cause you a lot of pain in life. Nations are going to crumble because of this baby. And your soul is going to be crushed. Oh, but me, this is really happy. I'm so glad. Oh, I get to die. I get to die. But Mary, oh, I'm glad I'm not you. <clears throat> That's kind of what he says. 
The news of the gospel is so beautiful. But it causes so much pain. Because the gospel is like a lie detector test. It knows how we deceive ourselves. It searches us. It knows our weaknesses. It knows our sins. And it exposes where we don't trust in God. And it calls us to repentance and surrender. And that is so not fun. And it causes Mary and Joseph to think a lot. You know what I, I, like, <laughs> I like most about this passage? There's a lot of really neat things. Uh, other than the two turtle doves thing, that, that's funny. Um, when, in verse 33, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. There's a lot of marveling going on prior, prior to this. Like, isn't it weird that they're still surprised? An angel comes to Mary and says, God's in you. He's in your, he's in your womb. And this child will, will save the world. That, that's surprising. It is surprising to Joseph when Mary says, I'm pregnant and I'm a virgin. That's surprising. Uh, there's a lot of surprises. They're still surprised now, eight days later. There's, things are still like surprising. And, and the surprising part of it now is that God can bring so much joy and so much pain. That's surprising to us because we think that by being satisfied in Christ that our life will be worry-free. And, and it's really not. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It, the gospel is weird. It's painful. It's disturbing. It's confrontational. It causes us to wonder and to be cautious because it's call, calling for our surrender but it's also the only thing that rescues and there is no hope apart from it. Some will receive it and some will actually hate it. The message of Christmas is going to reveal our hearts. And, and Simeon tells Mary, Mary, you are going to watch your son pay the ultimate price and it's going to crush you. You will see your son suffer and die and there's nothing that you can do about it painful. It is painful. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He's a godly man who is profoundly satisfied with the gospel that is simultaneously beautiful and dangerous. And it's the same for us. The gospel is beautiful and dangerous. Things are going to get really, really messy over the next 30 years for Jesus. And, and, and Mary's going to witness it all. To the very end, when she sees the last person waiting at the cross, seeing her son dead on the cross. She is there to the very end. And she's going to have to endure it. And so will we. But we remember what we're told. That God is in this. That he has appointed this time. That he is good and he's not surprised by anything. That he's amazing. That not everyone will believe this and that's okay. That he brings contentment. He brings peace and satisfaction. And we can expect him to work in our life every single day. We should keep our eyes open for it. And as we see his faithfulness, we should be satisfied and be reminded that he is a God who cares. 
This is really worth understanding because year after year, we hear that Christmas is a story of peace and year after year, we encounter conflict and struggle. And we say, well, when is this peace gonna come? Well, eventually it will come once and for all and there will be no struggle, but there is also peace that comes now. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I give you peace, not as the world gives it, that is contingent on circumstances. I give you a peace that is not of this world, a peace that is full, that no matter what happens tomorrow, even as nothing changes in your life, no matter what happens, you are okay because you've seen the salvation of the Lord and he's still with us and he is with us. Hope is not meant to take away our suffering, but to season our suffering like a coarse salt that is rubbed into a meat that tenderizes it. That's beautiful, right? Sorry, I got thinking about Christmas dinner last night. (laughs) Coarse, kosher salt rubbed into a nice tenderloin. Oh, man. But it's abrasive. It's got to get in there. It's got to rub in there. It's got to be painful. But it seasons it. It's, it's nice. Hope is not meant to take away our suffering. It's, it's meant to give meaning to it. Um, Mary knew that pain would come to her from the moment Jesus was born. And yet she endured the suffering. And I love the balance that Simeon has, the kind of balanced spiritual eyesight that we all need. You and I need this balanced spiritual eyesight for tomorrow and the days after Christmas. Because last, you know, two nights ago, we're singing Christmas Eve and a lot of this peace and joy. I don't think we had any songs about suffering, did we? (laughs) No, right? That's not Christmas Eve. It's supposed to be happy. But the day that Jesus was born, Mary had pain in her heart. And, and, and so will we until he comes back. And we have to endure it, but God is with us. He sees us through. He is faithful and he satisfies. And the purpose of this that Mary had to embrace, that Simeon was saying, but Mary, this is gonna be hard for you. You're gonna have to endure this. But this, the purpose of all of this is for the rescue of the world. It's worth it. It's worth it for us as we mortify sin, as we repent of sin and we put to death sin in our life and trust in Jesus, as we endure suffering of all kinds. It is worth it because it's not, remember, it's not about you, but it is about you. You're not the center of you. God is working in your life to bring about his purposes, even in your suffering, to bring about his beautiful and wonderful plans. Don't lose sight of what God is doing because you're focused on just your suffering. Keep your eyes on him. God's people are satisfied. We, are, we, we must be supremely satisfied with a costly gospel. It cost God everything. It cost him his son as he gave Jesus up to die for our sins, to show us that the way to glory, the way to satisfaction is through the cross. It is through pain. This struggle is not an accident and it's not going to be wasted. I want you to think of these three questions. I'll just list them. I want you to think about them. Do you see the gospel for the beauty that it is? Asking this question again, when was the last time thinking about the love of God for you made you weep? It made you fill with emotion. It made you satisfied. When was the last time you looked at the love of God and and saw his beauty and was overcome in emotion? Next question is, are you being honest with yourself and with God about areas of distrust in him? 
looking at our year, looking at our life, and look at areas, where have I been not satisfied in you? Where Because I haven't trusted you. I haven't looked for you to work. I haven't expected you to work, and I've been consumed with my struggles, and that has caused me to not trust you. All, all sin is, is, is rooted in a lack of trust in God. And what would it look like to see Christ's purposes extend beyond yourself? It's not just about you. It's about what God is doing in you, through you, for you, but not just for you, but for all people. He is wanting to work through you to be a blessing. He is wanting you to be a light, to be salt that seasons the struggles of others. Remember that God appointed the future execution of his son. That's ugly and beautiful. Even God's beautiful plan of peace has a painful side to it. Right now, we feel a lot of that painful side of it. And the beauty part of it is often not seen because we're not looking at it. And this may mean trusting in God's providence and his goodness in the midst of your life, in the midst of your painful circumstances that you find yourself in. Seeing God at work. So the story of Simeon And this post-Christmas season is essentially about that satisfaction, that far-reaching satisfaction that a personal relationship with Christ brings. Let's take Jesus in our arms like Simeon. Let's embrace him in our arms, look at his face, and say, no matter what comes tomorrow, I'm at rest because I've seen the salvation of the Lord.